Welcome to the Moving Up Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Wilson, and I'm here to dish out practical advice through experience to help you elevate your business and your life. I'm the owner and CEO of the Wilson Group Real Estate Services here in Nashville, Tennessee. We're going to be covering a variety of topics in real estate, and you'll also be hearing from expert leaders in the personal development and entrepreneurship communities. So pull up a seat because we're about to have a lot of fun. It's time for you to move up. Welcome to the final episode of season one of the Moving Up podcast. I'm Christy Wilson, and with me here is Heather Warmbrode. Yes, I can't believe it. A full season. 17 episodes in our first season. And y'all, we are about to take a short holiday break from today until January 4th, where we will be back in action with, I think, 24 more episodes for season two. And they're pretty darn good. Yeah. So as you drive around, take care of holiday stuff, feel free to go back through season one and pick up some tips from our past episodes. And we hope that in doing so, that you've picked up some really tangible tips and ideas and systems to help you in real estate, entrepreneurship, leadership, and and some in life. Yeah. And today we're going to talk about questions that we've gotten from our listeners who've emailed us or reached out to us about topics that they want to dive into a little bit. And also that just some comments that they shared that have helped them in their business and in life, which I was really grateful to get those. Yeah. So let's just jump in, Heather, about answering questions about those topics. The first ones aren't really questions, but these are two people who reached out to me and just affirming that some of the information we're giving is really helpful. One agent reached out to me and said, thank you so much for doing the podcast on pricing. She said when she drives to her listing appointments now, she will listen to that podcast because it gives her good talking points to share with her seller. And she feels fresh and energized and just is using some language that she hasn't used before. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah, it was very great to hear when she shared that with me. Another person reached out to me We talk a lot about savers, and I know I give this acronym all the time. (laughs) I won't do it right now, but that came from a book called Miracle Mornings for Realtors, but she had read the book. This is a non-real estate agent, just the Miracle Mornings book, Yeah, and she had picked up on the savers, she said, 10 or 12 years ago when she first read that book, and it triggered something in her, and she started doing it again. She said, I'd forgotten how great it is to start my day off by doing my savers, and now I'm doing it. Great reminder. It was a great reminder. Um, We had an agent in Chattanooga reach out to us with a question that, Heather, I think this will be fun to dive into. Mm -hmm. She was asking, what do you do? You take your buyer out. They've told you everything that they want in the house, what they don't want in the house, and you get out in the field, you're looking, and they totally morph into something else. (laughs) They yeah. <laughs> they want something different. And not only that, they become legitimately crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm using that in quotations, just yes. crazy. So <laughs> let's talk about that for a minute. That struggle is real. And it's not a struggle. It's just yeah. the reality of buying a home. You have in your mind this, what your perfect world is going to look like. Right. Because what prompts a move or a house change or a condo change is just that. It's mm-hmm. change. Yeah. Maybe you've gotten married, you've gotten divorced, you had a child, your children have left, you've retired. There's a myriad of different reasons of why you have to buy a new home. And so when you have that stressor on top of you, 
you're not necessarily the best version of yourself. Right. You want to be, you know, but it's very stressful when you're thinking about the amount of money you're going to be spending. And let's face it, in 2020 and in 2021, the price increase of over 25% or more in most neighborhoods has been significant. And what you could have bought something for this time last year is maybe $100,000 more Mm -hmm. this year. Yeah. And so that's stressful too. So I think what makes people go a little bit crazy is the stress, the uncertainty, the change. And let's throw in there, oh yeah, shelter for your family. Right. And not making a mistake and not letting down your family or yourself in purchasing the wrong home, in the wrong neighborhood. I shouldn't say in the wrong neighborhood, in the neighborhood that you don't want, that you think you want. Right. 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 Because you just, there's not like a three-day return policy on real estate. No, there's not. You buy (laughs) it and it's yours. And then to go sell it is kind of expensive. Mm -hmm. So you have to wait at least a year just to recoup to be able to resell. Yeah. So I think that in and of itself is what causes people not to be the best version of themselves as a buyer or seller, just the amount of stress and what is underlying that stress. Yeah. And we do this all the time. So we, I just about expect it. I think that's why I started laughing because it happens more times than it doesn't happen. And you're right. People get this idea in their head of what they think they want. But once you start going through homes, start going through parts of town, they're thinking about what certain commutes would look like for them on a daily basis. That can all change and it can be completely different than how the conversation originally started. I kind of come to expect it. And when people kind of give me their list, I listen, we make the list, we base the search on that. But more times than not, we end up changing things around. And that first day out with a set of buyers is so eye-opening and interesting and fun. I think Mm -hmm. it's, I, I love showing property. I will always think that's the funnest part of my job. And you get to know their personality. You get to know your buyer's lifestyle, what's important to them, how they live in the house. And then that helps you as the real estate professional to help consolidate that search. Right. Now, this inventory crunch is a little bit different. It's like, hey, you're going to get it and you're going to like it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. We don't yeah, say that. Yeah. But but it has been a, it's been a challenge and a struggle in 2020 yeah, and 2021 yeah. with this significant shortage of inventory that a lot of times a buyer is having to really modify what they've wanted in the past mm-hmm. and not being able to get what they want for what they should probably be able to afford is super frustrating and adds to that sense of stress as well. Right. So she's wanting to know, how does she handle this situation with someone? Yeah. I think as a realtor, it's just water off the duck of a back. Yeah. Excuse me, water off the back of the duck. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's our job to manage the expectation Uh of the client. It's our job to listen. It's our job to try to to soothe the crazy when it comes in. And that's where having a great broker comes into play and great colleagues where you can say, oh my God, this is what's happening right now. What have you experienced and what worked for you? Yeah. Because every personality in the transaction is so different. Mm-hmm. So how I behave around one client is going to be super different than how I would behave or the conversation I'll have with the other client to settle them down. Nine times out of 10, they just want to be heard. Yeah, they do. And, they do. And so being able to hear them And then play that tape back to them to make sure that you're understanding where they're coming from. And it doesn't hurt either to pull back the skin of the onion to say, hey, I understand how stressed you are. 
can we go deeper? Yeah. What, what, what is the most scary part of this for you? Yeah. You know, sometimes it may be money. Sometimes it may be that a marriage is just teetering and they're hoping, hoping that this house changes things. Uh-huh. Um, there may have been a death in the family. There's just so many things that that buyer may not have opened up to you about. Yeah. But I think you can gently start, yeah, just peeling back the skin right. of the onion to go a little bit deeper without being intrusive. Yeah. I've met a couple for coffee one time at Starbucks Mm -hmm. when I felt like we just kept going the same circles with looking at homes. And I thought, okay, something's going on here that I'm not understanding. Right. So I said, can we meet for coffee? And in sitting them both down without being in a home, um, but really kind of looking at here's what we've looked at. Let's talk about those homes that we've looked at. Let's talk about why you guys did not like them because I just felt lost. Yeah. I wasn't sure what they wanted anymore. And come to find out between the two of them, they could not get on the same page even about moving. And I had no idea. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) I had no idea. It's like they didn't communicate that to me. I just thought one person was being ultra picky. And I was like, okay you guys need to figure that out before we move forward. And they they did. They yeah. figured it out and we were able to kind of start our search fresh and it went really well. But I think if I would have tried to have that conversation at a showing, yeah. it, it may not have happened, but it was like, okay, let's stop. Let's go grab some coffee, maybe find out where we need to kind of back up and, and figure it out from there. And yeah. It, yeah. That's excellent because it is, it's getting them out of the house getting them out of that distraction and just focusing and having a, you know, a table conversation. Mm-hmm. That's great. And this agent who from Chattanooga also said, what if you have a legitimately crazy, like out of the loony bin client? How, how do you deal with that? <laughs> well, first thing, make sure you're safe. Yes. You know, what, what kind of crazy is crazy because we are all crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to my uncle today. I'm going, Am I the crazy one in the family? I thought I was the same one, but now I'm looking inward. I'm like, I think I'm the crazy one. And, you know, if it's someone who is maybe legitimately not going to buy, you'll never make happy, and it becomes a quality of life issue for you as an agent, then you either need to just let that relationship go Mm -hmm. or refer them to another agent in your office yeah, or something. Remember I did that about five years ago. I remember. Do you remember that? I remember And you were the one who told me, Heather... You may just not be able to help this client at this time. Whatever's going on in their life, it doesn't have anything to do with you, but it's time. Yeah. And and it was. It was time. And that's that's the only time I've had to do that. But you just kind of know you get to a point to where you've tried everything yeah. and something else is going on and it's just not time for them. That's right. That's right. So thank you, Rebecca in Chattanooga. That was a great question yeah. and I really appreciate it. This is Jeff Devereaux, Mortgage Banking Executive, Studio Bank. Studio Bank is passionate about what our members create, and we're here to support you through the process. We provide capital and services to build businesses. We offer mortgage and home loan options, whether you're a first-time home buyer or purchasing your fifth home. We work with artists to reach their audiences. We help nonprofits transform our community. And often the most important work we do is simply empowering individuals to pursue their dreams. We're here because what you create matters. Let's create something together. Visit studiobank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender, NMLS number 1761767. Let's see. One of our other questions is, how's the best way to find remodel projects for investor clients 
ones that can be remodeled and make at least 10%. Well, you're not going to do that in Nashville. No, just, <laughs> not just, right now. Just kidding. Just Too kidding. late. <laughs> um, so when you're looking at a remodel project or any type of build project of that nature, you have to work backwards. So the first thing you want to do is identify what neighborhood or what area that your investor client wants to work in. And then from there, you want to start looking at what are these properties selling for? So let's say a home is selling, a a renovated home is selling for $700,000. And let's say that's at $250 a square foot. All right. So you're going to have that number in mind. So $700,000, then let's shave off from the $700,000 the cost that the seller will incur when they go to resell it. So they're going to have real estate fees, attorney fees, title fees, um, and maybe buyer closing costs. They're, whatever those fees are going to be, you'll subtract that from that $700,000 amount. Then you're going to look at the rehab costs. What are going to be the costs of that project? And this is going to have to be done on individual homes, right? Mm -hmm. Because each cost for each home is a little bit different. Your client's going to have to help you out on those costs or get with me or your broker and identify what those costs are. Right now, costs are moving daily. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit more challenging to understand how to figure out, okay, we're going to replace 25 windows. Mm -hmm. What is the cost of 25 windows? Is that $500 a window or is that $2,000 a window today? I don't know. So we're going to have to figure that out. Subtract out those costs. Then you're going to want to subtract out the carry costs. Most investors, not not every investor out there is buying for cash. Mm -hmm. So if they're getting a loan, they're going to be paying an interest note on that. So they're going to be wanting to look at what their interest carry is, what their taxes, property taxes they'll have to pay at closing are, and what their insurance to carry. So you've got certain carrying costs. So you lump all those costs, subtract that out at the 700. Oh yeah, I want to make 10% on this deal. So they want to make 70,000 on on this deal. So then you subtract out 70,000. Then from there, you look at what the purchase price is going to be. And that's the number they're going to have to spend to do that. So to answer this question, the best way to find remodel projects is you just got to get in the trenches and go out and look at everything. Mm -hmm. And your client should go with you that very first time. But if they can't go with you all the time, because a good deal is either A, never going to hit the market right now, or it's going to happen so fast. So if your client can't go with you, you need to go and FaceTime with that client which I, I, I love for the client to be with me. I do not like making a decision on behalf of my client unless I know them so well and I know, oh my God, this is the deal. Right. You've got to jump on it. So it's a lot of boots on the ground. It's a lot of understanding what knowledge your investor client has. How much do they understand their costs? And if they don't, then you need to sit down with them to help them understand what costs are or make sure that they are around a contractor who can understand costs. Mm-hmm. But once you find out what location, if there's wanting to stay within a certain location, that makes it a little bit more easy. If they're wanting 30 minutes from downtown Nashville, 30 minutes from Franklin, 30 minutes from anywhere, you know, that can be dicey because there's a lot of different neighborhoods that you're going to have to become an expert in in what those resell for. Right. So it's not an easy task. It's not an easy thing to find these properties. But you do just have to get out in the trenches and start looking, start sending letters, knocking on doors. Although we all get a thousand letters a week about somebody wanting to buy our house. You never know when one may stick. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and just keep talking to people. Yeah, talk to people. Keep talking to people about, you know, who has fixer uppers. Talk to your office. Talk to other agents out in the marketplace. Yeah. So I hope that helps that person for with that question. This other question was interesting. How will cryptocurrency affect real estate? So I know about as much as will fit on this fingernail about <laughs> cryptocurrency. Yeah. But I do know, I had a great conversation with a friend of mine who's investing heavily in crypto right now. Really? And he educated me a lot about it um, here recently. And as I started learning about it, plus, and we had already received this question, Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, I don't think in the next five years, crypto is going to affect real estate. I think in the next 10 years, we could possibly see a little bit of a shift. I don't know if the... The Z generation, I guess, is the younger generation right now. Are they Y? I have so, no idea. What, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Whoever's 23 and under. Yes, there is, you go. <laughs> they, um, you know, that's going to be a whole new thing in that generation, I feel like. So perhaps in 10 years, we, we could see some, some cause and effect with crypto. But right now, I, I don't see it affecting much of anything on the residential side. There's not been any yeah. real talk or deep conversation in all the trade magazines and publications I read. Yeah. If there's not a general understanding, I believe you've said this. If you don't understand it, people aren't going to do it. Right. Right. And I would advise in investing in anything you don't understand. Right. You know, however, if you're thinking about real estate and don't understand real estate, call us because (laughs) we can help you with that. We will help you understand it. This is an easy one. Yeah. Easy one. This next question is a little lengthy, but it's awesome. I am somewhat new to selling real estate, and I would love to hear your take on the current state of being in sales. I know that these things evolve, and I sense that we have moved out of a hard, super high energy kind of sales approach, but I'm sometimes at a loss in terms of when to dip in, when to give space, and generally, how much room to leave, when to ask for a buyer representation agreement, etc. I've been listening to the podcast, love it, and I'd be very curious to hear your take. Tamara, thank you for that question. Um, And I am happy, Heather and I are happy to answer this question. So the current state of being in sales, to me, I am not a glossy salesperson at all. No. Heather, you aren't either. No, not at all. If anything, I am um, very enthusiastic. I get super excited about certain homes. I get super excited of when I know this house has chosen the Mm -hmm. client. I don't think clients choose the house. I truly believe the house chooses the client or the condo or the property. So I think my general enthusiasm is what is my selling superpower. Yeah. I feel like we take on a role more as educator in the real estate progress, progress process, and we can educate our client on what's happening in the state of the market, what's happening in this neighborhood or in this development, what the construction of this home is with the caveat, of course, that we aren't contractors unless you are. Right. We're not economists. We can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow, mm-hmm. but I can, I can tell you, okay, that's a, that clawfoot tub is 90 years old, probably. I mean, the house is 90 years old. It looks original to the house and you can salvage it. Mm-hmm. And I can give you the phone number of who to call to salvage it. So it, that's more of an educating role. Right. Education Um, and be a resource. And be a resource. And if a house is dim, well, they have the dimmest light bulbs in here ever. Like this house is too dark. Like, oh wait, we can make this house really bright. Yeah. So I'm educating myself down to minutia about Uh how to 
how someone could view a home. So maybe that's salesy, maybe it's not, but I try to A, see things through the lens of the buyer, but then also try to help them see it in a way that they may not be seeing it because they don't have the expertise that a real estate agent, an experienced real estate agent has. So if you're new to the business, I highly encourage you to shadow as many other agents in your office as possible, Mm -hmm. to preview as many listings as possible, Go in, just just look at the homes, hold open houses. Yeah. Look at the crown molding, the baseboards, the type of flooring, go in the crawl space, go in the basement, look at the plumbing, you know, educate yourself, take pictures if you don't know and show your broker saying, hey, what is this? Oh, that's old galvanized plumbing. Right. What's that? You know, there's so many ways to educate yourself that you can then in turn educate your client. Yeah. And And a part of her question is when to dip in. So I just did this the other day. There are certain zip codes that I watch every day. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll get the emails first thing in the morning of of newly listed properties. And I saw a ranch. I have a love for ranches. And so I know several people who also love ranches. um, And they've either bought them for investment properties in the past from me, or they've just mentioned that they would love to at one point maybe move in this area where this particular home is that I saw. So I didn't look at it as being salesy, but I texted that listing out to several people and said, oh my goodness, did you see this? Mm -hmm. It just hit the market. Oh, that kitchen. Wow. Yeah. Did you see how they renovated the bathroom or did you see the lot? Um, So I didn't feel like that was salesy. They know that I love ranches and I have enough of a relationship with them to know kind of what they are looking for. And so I sent it out to several people. So I think maybe that's an example of where to kind of dip in Mm -hmm. and engage with people. But I didn't feel salesy by doing that. Right. And I think just reading the your client's body language, so important to understand body language of when to ask for them you know, close it, say, Hey, are you ready to make an offer on this? We've looked at 17 homes. Look, that fireplace checks the box. The screen boards checks mm-hmm. the box. The, you know, no stairs from the garage to the kitchen checks the box. I think you should jump on this. Mm-hmm. So I don't look at that as salesy. I look at that as bringing everything back together, reminding the buyer of what they were looking for to begin with. Right. And, and back to our first question. I mean, this always is morphing, right? Yeah. But if it's checking enough, enough boxes, ask for the business. Mm-hmm. That is part of being a salesperson is you, if you're not asking for the business, you're not getting the business and, and close that, you know, and get them on in writing. Chances are, if it's that great of a house, it's, there's going to be multiple offers in this type of market. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you've learned how to, you know, create the strategy to write that competitive offer. So I think reading body language is very important and high energy all the time. But again, read your client. I know sometimes my high energy freaks people out. Like, oh my God, you're a lot. I'm like, oh, I am a lot. I'm sorry. And I have to (laughs) dial it back down. But I'm trying just to mimic them a little bit. But if they're really flat, you know, I know I've got to inflate them to make them excited about about that. Another one, when to give space it's just reading the body language Mm -hmm. and we've seen a lot of buyer fatigue this year of, Oh my God, I cannot go through losing my fifth offer, you know, because it's so competitive. So that's okay to give them space. And I think Heather, to your point of what you just did texting out that listing, if something comes up, if your people are having some, taking some space, email or text them the listing and say, I know you're taking a breather, but Oh my God, this 
Yeah. This could really be it. And I don't have an expectation with that. I'm not following sure. up with them the next day going, well, did you see it? Did mm-hmm. you look at it? I just let it be. Yep. And then when they're ready, they're going to go, oh, we couldn't jump on that. But Heather, have you seen another ranch like that yeah. one? You know, so it just sticks with them. And one thing we do a lot here at the Wilson Group is we do a lot of role playing also with buyers and sellers or someone being the listing agent, someone being the seller to practice and learn what skills you need and then how to show a house and what to be pointing out. So to that point, role play with your colleagues in your office. If, if you're not in our office, you know, role play with your colleagues and just one of you guys be a listing agent or a buyer's agent, one be a buyer and show a house mm-hmm. and learn from each other or go with an experienced agent. See if somebody will help you with that. I just think the value of role play is really strong. Yeah. You know, in the in the real estate or any type of sales job. One of her questions is when to ask for a buyer rep agreement. You know, ideally you want to ask for that buyer's representation agreement immediately. The buyer's rep agreement is a six-page agreement which says the buyer promises basically to use you and in return you're doing all this work for the buyer. We've created a a one-page buyer's rep agreement at the Wilson Group that our attorney worked up for us that covers all the caveats necessary to work in that capacity. I feel like it's so much less daunting than the six page one that comes with the normal forms. So you may want to talk to your broker about that, about the buyer's rep agreement. If, if you feel that it's too daunting for the buyer, but I feel like the best way to talk about the buyer's rep agreement is to let that buyer know, Hey, I want to make sure we're on the same page. You are hiring me to mm-hmm. do a job, and this is this contract for you to hire me. These are the duties I'm going to give to you. In return, you're going to agree to buy a house through me, and if you don't buy a home through me, I still will be owed compensation. Yes. And that, again, that's a role play, learning how a lot of people just don't like to tell a buyer, hey, I, I need to get paid if I've spent six months with you, right? and you buy a for sale by owner, or you buy something else. Now, if they decide just not to buy... They decide just not to buy. That happens. Yeah. But I like to knock that sales rep, I mean, that um, buyer's rep agreement out early using that language. And I and I still role play with people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, this is, and I'm, I have a, the opportunity to role play with a lot of brand new agents who don't know how to have the conversation. Yeah. If you can't get your buyer's rep agreement signed early on, then get it signed when the, you go to contract. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, now I am representing you. I need... This is different than the confirmation of agency. I need you to sign this buyer's rep agreement. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and I and think it's just part of the it's part of the process. Yeah. yeah. And I think if you can get comfortable with the language like you stated, it it's more of a conversation. Right. And honestly, I don't necessarily get that buyer's rep agreement signed the first time out either because I don't know if I want to work with these clients yet. Yeah. You know, but I'm not new. When I was new, I worked with everybody and anybody. I didn't care if you were pre-qualified. Just yeah. give me the practice to show property. Yeah. Now there's I would not ever do that. But when you're brand new, you, you need to practice too. Yeah. So I do try to get the buyer's rep agreement signed early. Um, and if I don't, then I wait until we've put together our contract documents or at least two or three times out with that client to make sure we mesh. Yeah, work well together. Well together. And I think, Heather, that wraps up our questions. I think we could go on forever, but we're going to run out of time. So I so appreciate everyone tuning into this. And we always encourage everybody to send us questions because we're happy to answer. And it makes us think a little bit deeper too. So keep those questions coming. Podcast at wilsongrouprealestate.com. Hope everyone has an awesome day. 
awesome holidays. Yes. I can't believe the holiday season is already here. It is. And we'll be so excited to come back January 4th. We'll see you then. Happy holidays, everybody. Bye, guys. The Wilson Group Real Estate Services is one of Nashville's top premier boutique real estate firms. We specialize in working with buyers and sellers for housing, investment, and commercial needs, as well as offering a full-service property management division for your investments. Check out our website today at wilsongrouprealestate.com. Hey there, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to snap a screenshot of your podcast app on your phone, post it to your Instagram stories and tag at Podcast, and let us know your favorite takeaway from this episode.